The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 23rd College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Banditos' fresh-made daily kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. A loss is never any fun, but they're not all created equal. Last Saturday, in a clash of top 10 teams, the identity of the Fighting Irish 2019 came into focus. We're a physical team. We're a fast team. We're a team that is persistent, that will play for four quarters. I asked our coaches, raise your hand if you'd like that to work with, and everybody raised their hand always. Physicality. Sometimes games sound a little different, and the Georgia game was one of those contests. Despite the nonstop roar of a record-setting Bulldog crowd that never let up, the thuds and the cracks of one of the most physical football games you will ever hear came across loud and clear. All game long, Georgia and ND battled it out gladiator fashion, and Notre Dame never backed off. The Irish are a physical team. Team Speed. Entering last weekend's game, Georgia, with 18 five-star athletes on their roster, was averaging 7.6 yards per carry. Against the Irish, whose linebackers have gotten better each week, they average 4.6 per carry, a full three yards less per attempt. The Irish speed was up to the task of containing the Georgia rushing attack as Indy flew and swarmed to the point of attack all game long. The Irish are a fast team. Grit. And against the number three team in the nation, the Irish never flinched. The Irish got off to a good start, taking a 7-0 lead, and then closed the first half with a drive leading to a Jonathan Doerr field goal just before the half for a 10-7 lead. Georgia then scored the next 16 points, and it looked as if the Irish might be on the ropes. But in that 16-point run by the Bulldogs, three times Clark Lee's troops stood strong in the face of Georgia's surge and held them to field goals. And at just about that point, the Irish started an offensive surge of their own and put themselves in a position to win the game in the last two minutes. The Irish are a persistent, gritty team. A loss is a loss, and nobody likes it. But last Saturday, the Irish sent a message about who they are and where they are determined still to go in 2019. Banditos with three Fort Wayne locations, Waynedale, Georgetown, and Glenbrook Commons. Banditos is fresh made daily. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and ability provides peace of mind. Combining local expertise with access to national and international experts through their affiliation with BDO, the fifth largest 
largest accounting firm in the world. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning. The full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzberg. I don't endorse everybody, but I found a company that I think provides a great service. The company is Shearer McCulloch, and what they do is targeted specifically for seniors, people who may be thinking about downsizing and are overwhelmed by the thought of what it's going to take. Shearer McCulloch will pack you up, move you, and then sell your house and everything that's left. Now that's the most comprehensive relocation service anywhere and what I call in sports terms covering all the bases. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They're looking to get top dollar from people who have an interest in the special treasures you've collected over the years. Sharon McCulloch is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms. If Sharon and I decide to make a change in lifestyle, we'll be calling Sharon McCulloch at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. We trust them, and we know they'll make things easy and profitable. Coors Light presents a word from Kirk Herbstreet. It's Saturday morning, and that means it's time for college football. It means your fridge is filled with Coors Light. It means last night's pizza is this morning's breakfast. And washing it down with your first Coors Light of the day is worthy of an ah. It's Saturday morning, and it means showers are optional. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. All right, Tim Priester, let's get right into it. This week, I had a debate or two with uh, fans about the, the concept of a good loss. I say there's really nothing good about a loss, but some losses are easier to take than others. Why was last Saturday night a good loss for the Irish? Because everybody thinks that that's the Notre Dame team moving forward. And that team moving forward, I mean, with the exception, of course, the running game not being where you want it, the defense at least stepped forward and slowed down the Georgia running game, which I don't, did any of us think that that was possible? I, I, I Under the circumstances, I don't think so. So, I mean, certainly it looked more like the Notre Dame team uh, that we all expected. Um, and to do it in that environment, which which was just an absolutely insane, uh, really cool environment, was was great progress for them. And I, I think it I think it boosted the confidence of Notre Dame fans. And I think it boosted the confidence of the Notre Dame team moving forward. Well, and a close loss against the third team and third ranked team in the country is better than losing to, let's say, New Mexico. And uh, the Irish certainly, uh, I thought, matched physicality and athleticism of Georgia, and that's not what everybody expected. So, Tim, but a chance to win this game, but for 12 penalties against the Irish, six, I think, were false starts. They were really costly. And I and I still really haven't heard a clear explanation. Maybe you can explain it to me. It had something to do with Ian Book clapping his hands when he wasn't supposed to and not using a silent count. Uh, talk about that, Tim. And Tim, do you feel that the Irish were adequately prepared for that atmosphere that you just talked about? 
When you have that many false starts, you 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 weren't, and Brian Kelly has admitted admitted that at least two times, maybe three times, and and taken responsibility. I don't know that I have a clear picture for exactly why it happened. I I think you know maybe the best explanation is that, and Brian Kelly offered this at one point that um, you know the the offensive line was so accustomed to the hand clap that they were going off of that, but it's really precipitated by the leg lift, uh, the silent count by the leg lift of of uh, Ian Book. And then it's a timing issue after that. That's probably not a good enough explanation. Um, but they didn't handle it well. And it limited them offensively. And as it turned out, once Georgia went on their 16-0 run, Notre Dame needed to have scored a little bit more earlier in the game when they were when they were playing more effectively offensively. So um, tough place to win, tough place to hold on to a lead at halftime, to have led at halftime as a – was an accomplishment in and of itself. They couldn't continue that that momentum in the third quarter. And then, you know, to their credit, they came to life. It looked like that Georgia might go up by 17 points. Uh, instead, they were held to a field goal. And then Notre Dame marched down and scored and put themselves back in it. So a heck of an effort, not enough, uh, but progress. For the team in general. Yeah, all things considered, they were in a position to win the game at the end, but uh, chalk one up for the high decibel crowd in Athens. Uh, but welcome to the party, Cole Komet. Uh, biggest day for an Irish tight end, catch-wise, with nine. Uh, biggest day since Ken McAfee also caught nine in 1977. Three catches on the first four plays of the game, seven in the first half. So why didn't the Irish go to him more in the second half of the game? I think Georgia was paying a little bit more attention to him. Um, you, you also get, I think sometimes you get caught into the, you know, you have the lead at halftime and you start to milk that a little bit going into the second half. And, you know, the, the main problem was that you, you never had the running game to fall back on. And, and I give, I give Brian Kelly and Chip Long a lot of credit. I'm the first guy to say how important it is to run the football. Um, as somewhat of a traditionalist as it relates to the running game, uh, you know, I just I believe in that. But I think that would have been a waste of time in this situation. And Tony Jones Jr. was the only true running back that carried a football and he carried it nine times. Moving forward, it's got to be you can't you're not going to have success if you don't run the football. But I thought under the circumstances, ultimately, it was just the inability to run the football that that spelled defeat for Notre Dame. Yeah, but it, probably under the circumstances, a really, really good game plan, and the Irish almost pulled it off. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Ian Book's performance in the game. He's 29 of 47, 275 yards, two touchdowns, did throw two interceptions his first two of the season. I thought he performed really well under pressure, and a reference was made on the TV broadcast, uh, and you made a comparison in something you wrote this week uh, that you agreed with it, and it's something that I said on social media last year and was widely criticized for, but that is that book reminds me some of the great Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann, of course, my idol when I was growing up. Tell us how Joe and Ian are similar, Tim. I was. I mean, I think the reference was originally made about the, the running style, and that that's what I would agree with. You know, I just I just when when Ian Book decides it's time to take off and run. I think there's a similarity to Phil Theismann. You have to be as old as we are, Phil, to, to remember that. I, you know, I don't know about necessarily 
how they play the quarterback position, but I see a similarity in the the running gate and the style when, when Ian Book decides to take off the same way. When, when Joe Theismann decided to take off, he was decisive uh, uh, about it and, um, and, and was effective. I just think they looked alike. Stature-wise, uh, Book's a little thicker, I guess, but they're about the same same height. Stature-wise, yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, really. Okay, uh, let's talk about the other side of the ball. Defense showed up. Front seven seems to be starting to gel. Secondary played well. I thought uh, Tariq Bracey flashed a time or two. But talk about the performance of sophomore rover Jeremiah Wawusu Koromoa. Eight tackles. Tim, explain how the rover position, first of all, is different from that of a linebacker. There's different responsibilities there, and why Koromoa is so well suited for the position. It it involves a little bit more pass coverage than your typical uh, linebacker. I still generally include the rover with the linebackers. They are instructed by the linebackers coach, Clark Lee. Um, so there's the, the connection there. But Owusu Kormar was really good. I mean, I thought all three linebackers, if you include him, a linebacker along with Drew White and Asmar Bilal, breakthrough performance for Asmar Bilal, I thought. Uh, but Owusu Koromoa is just, he's a really, really good athlete. You can see why, you can see how he used to be a safety and now he's grown into a linebacker, although he's, you know, I, he's he's actually he looks bigger than he actually is, like in the two twelve, two hundred fifteen pound range. Uh, but he's good, and, and I mean, he really is showing some instincts. Uh, and when you combine him with the other two in the middle, that's real progress. I don't think any of us could have imagined that those three linebackers would have played as well as they did against Georgia after seeing the Louisville game. There were some good performances there. I think Drew White's been the most consistent. But, um, yeah, I mean, Owusu Koromo is really, really on the rise. Yeah, that, that trio has really gelled, and there are other players behind them with great potential, and they're also playing some some big roles. And uh, Koromoa just may become a star for this Irish team. Uh, I'm just going to say it. Uh, Tim, preseason talk was about the high-powered potential of the Notre Dame offense. And the perceived weakness on this team was mostly on the defensive side of the ball. Linebacker, defensive tackle, a lot to replace. But considering the performance at Georgia, has that narrative now flipped? I think it has, and I, and I think on a couple different levels. I, I think that Clark Lee continues to prove what a quality defensive coordinator he is. Um, I think Chip Long is lacking, I know Chip Long is lacking some some weapons over there. Michael Young expected back this week, but they haven't had him. Uh, and Jafar Armstrong. I mean, they just don't have a lead running back. Tony Jones Jr. does the best with what he has. And he was very valuable against Georgia because he needed his blocking ability. And I don't think the offensive line has, has really meshed. So, I mean, I think I'll throw this in too. I, I, don't, I don't know that Chip Long called his best game in the third quarter considering what he built in the first half. So, um, you know, you add it all up, and I and I don't I don't think that they have um, achieved to the level that that we anticipated. Yeah, and it, I think it all gets back to the backfield, and uh, uh, you just lack that explosive back like Dexter Williams was last year. That just that threat's not there. Uh, so a tougher task for for Chip Long than maybe we anticipated. Clark Lee, on the other hand, you know, the Irish have not given up more than 30 points in a game since he took over as defensive coordinator. Uh, That's a great number. Uh, Let's talk a bit about Jake Fromm. 30 career starts, Tim. He's really good, and I think you were impressed. 
Is he a first-round NFL draft pick? I hesitate to say that because he doesn't have a big arm. But, boy, does he know how to play the quarterback position. And his, his ability, the, the, the touch of his throws is just outstanding. He throws a very catchable ball. He's a great leader. He's a vocal leader. Uh, you, can, he, you know that the players around him, and you can see the players around him respond to him. He's a great college quarterback. I think we all sometimes have difficulty projecting to the next level. And I, if he chooses to come out after this year, which he very well could after his junior year, he is probably one of the most, I was going to say three, I don't know if I can put a number on him, but one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in college football. The translation and the transition to the NFL uh, is sometimes difficult to anticipate, but he's a really, really good college quarterback. Yeah, uh, technically he's just outstanding, and his passes are pinpoint. He stands in the pocket. Uh, I love that aspect of his game, uh, and he just exudes leadership. I think we're going to see him on Sundays. Uh, Tim, your first ever experience at Sanford Stadium in Georgia. How was the hospitality, and how loud was the crowd? Uh, hospitality is great as we anticipated, and you know the, the reciprocal when when Georgia came here to Notre Dame. Uh, just uh, talk about sensory overload. That's that's Sanford Stadium from. From being in the stadium two hours before the game, the student body's already there. I don't know if that's typical, but they were there for the Notre Dame game. To the, the half-hour pregame lead-up with their songs and their chants and their traditions, and then during the game is difficult to, to hear yourself think. So, And then the light show and everything about it, really, really very, very well orchestrated by Georgia. It's an incredible atmosphere. It obviously impacted Notre Dame's uh, cadence and ability to snap the football. Just a tremendous college football atmosphere. I feel privileged to have been there. Well, the atmosphere and the great game, it's why we love the game of college football. All right, Tim, turning a little bit towards Virginia, and I thought from Brian Kelly's comments uh, post-game that he immediately had started preparing his team for Virginia by telling them that the defining game for who Notre Dame will be this year uh, didn't happen last Saturday, but it will happen against Virginia this week. So, of course, the concern has to be for a letdown. Do you expect a letdown from this team this week? Emotionally, I don't. But I know that what what they did on Saturday night took a lot out of them physically. And so now, seven days later, you have to me- you have to mesh the, the the mental and the physical. And I, I mean, I think I think they are prepared to avoid a letdown. I'm not sure that you can always guarantee that, though, even if you think your mind is right on that. So that's a lot of mumbo-jumbo there. But I, I, I don't think – I mean, they, clearly they turned their attention to Virginia after the game. They knew they put – and maybe it was – it was somewhat easier because you played well. You knew that you played well in a big game in a tough environment. So you could come out of there with confidence and say, all right, you know, what we did was great, but we're going to move on, and this is too important. We're too good to let – um, you know, let something slip away next week. So I, I think that they're as prepared as they can be. I, I just, from the perspective of you hope that physically they can bounce back because they invested a lot into it. Well, I think it's good that they're coming home, too, for this game, and uh, they'll get a little boost from the home crowd, hopefully. Uh, Tim, we're 25% of the way through the regular season. That's hard for me to imagine. Uh who has been the Notre Dame MVP so far, and who has been the biggest disappointment? Well, I think there are a couple candidates for MVP, most of them on the defensive side of the ball, but I would probably first say Chase Claypool because I think he's been 
He's been really good in every game. He didn't have the big numbers against Georgia, but he came through when he had to down the stretch and setting up his touchdown, then scoring his touchdown. Defensively, I love the way the safeties are playing. Uh, I don't know that they necessarily stand out where you come away from a game and say that they've been MVPs. I might even argue that Dalen Hayes uh, among the defensive ends has been the best. I'm not as disappointed in Okwara and Kareem as others because I know that they're playing within the framework of a defense. The defense is 10th in the country in pass efficiency. You know, I, I biggest disappointment that Jafar Armstrong's hurt and that they don't have a that they don't have a uh, you know the running game that they anticipated with him. Um, you know, maybe. They need Troy Pride to make plays. I mean, they just need him to make more plays. He played pretty well against New Mexico, but um, didn't make enough plays against Georgia. So I, I guess I'm a little hesitant to pick a, a disappointment. But uh, most of the, you know, Drew White really has been an MVP on defense. I think he's played well in three games at Mike Linebacker and has been consistent for a very for what's been a a pretty solid defense, especially once they shored up their their run defense against Georgia. Well, I really like uh, I like your mention of Drew White there because uh, that was one of the biggest question marks coming into the season. I think he solidified the the linebacker position. Uh, my initial thought went to Chase Claypool as as MVP as as sounds like yours did. I'm disappointed in Julian Aquara from this standpoint. He may be playing within the framework of the defense, but coming into the season, we had such high hopes for him, and I thought we had good reasons for that. And uh, there's still plenty of time, but uh, three games, uh, three tackles, that's his the entirety of his stat line so far. So expect some big plays out of Aquara coming up. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by our friends at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. This is the 329th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Shine a light into my room. Oh, I'm sure the morning sun can eliminate my gloom. If it shine a little light into my room, all I want is some sunshine, sunshine. Shining through these windows of mine And I want it to be easy, easy Choices, Treat each house as if it was your own. Our mission statement at Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Hi, I'm Jim Bushy. At Bushy's, we're proud of our home improvement products that we offer, and we are even more proud of the award-winning installers who will come to your home. Right now, take advantage of our 12-month 0% interest payment plan, and estimates are always free. So call Bushy's at 456-1247, stop into our showroom, or check out Bushy'sFW.com. Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Your clear choice. Your clear choice is Bushies. Your clear choice is Bushies. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. Cole Komet's team-leading nine catches against Georgia tied the all-time Notre Dame record for a single game by a tight end. The great Ken McAfee also had nine catches in a game against Purdue in 1977. Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba is a full-service accounting firm dedicated to providing professional, personalized service and guidance for a wide range of financial and business needs. Hey, I'm Kirk Herbstreet, and I watch college football like it's my job. It is your job. I know, but sometimes I like to get out of the booth and chill. Here, have a Coors Light. Thanks. 
So, where was I? You're on my couch. In my spot. Oh, is this your spot? It's a nice spot. Great view. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. This is Fighting Irish Preview. Number 18 in undefeated Virginia visits the number 10 Irish this week. TV coverage on NBC starts at 3.30 p.m. Kickoff is at 3.42 South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero, brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons. We share your boating passion. And now we continue our series on the great defensive players of the last 60 years. Last week, the great Walt Patalski. This week, 1973 co-captain and defensive back Mike Townsend. Mike Townsend hailed from the Cincinnati area, and he followed his older brother, wide receiver Willie Townsend, to Notre Dame. But originally, Mike had committed to attend Purdue. The story goes that his mother wanted him to go to Notre Dame, but it was his girlfriend that saved the day for ND because she liked the idea of Townsend attending Notre Dame which at that time was still an all-male college. Tim, I guess she didn't know about St. Mary's across the street, but fortunately, Mom and the girlfriend were persuasive because Mike Townsend went on to an outstanding career. He set the all-time Notre Dame season interception mark at 10 in 1972 and was a key player and leader on the 1973 national title team. Tim, when you and I were growing up in South Bend, Mike Townsend and his older brother Willie were idols, not just because of their football skills, but also because they walked on and played some pretty good basketball for Digger Phelps. They did. They were basketball players shortly after uh, what was then called the Athletic Convocation Center opened up. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they were... (laughs) I you know I remember I, I remember Willie Townsend about as much for uh, for basketball as I do football. But Willie Willie was bigger, kind of a kind of a um, tight end dish sized wide receiver back then. But Mike Townsend was great. Can you imagine ten interceptions in a year? Why do you keep throwing to his side of the field? I, I'm not sure that uh, uh, too many cornerbacks of that ability get that many opportunities today because most offenses would steer away from him but he Mike Townsend was great 10 picks in a year is incredible yes it was uh ended his indie career with 13 interceptions and was a consensus all-american in 1974 Mike Townsend was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings but actually played his professional ball in the world football league for the Jacksonville Sharks Mike Townsend another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero the Marina at Lake Gage we love boats and it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. Tim, Virginia is 4-0. They've defeated Pitt, William & Mary, Florida State, and last week Old Dominion in a 28-17 comeback struggle that saw Dominion run out to a 17-0 lead by the middle of the second quarter. Were they looking ahead to the Irish? Time will tell. A year ago, the Cavaliers were 8-5, and and that included a 29-0 win over South Carolina in the Belk Bowl. Senior quarterback Bryce Perkins leads a shotgun attack that features a lot of movement, fakes, and read option. Perkins is a dual-threat career 65% passer who has tossed 31 touchdown passes and thrown 13 interceptions. Perkins also is the leading rusher this year with 193 yards on 51 attempts. His favorite target is 6'1'' senior Joe Reed, who has 23 catches already this season, 
good for 215 yards and three touchdowns. On defense, the Cavaliers are outstanding, and it's all about attacking. The Cavaliers will bring exotic blitzes from all over the field. A few names stand out. Junior linebacker Charles Snowden at 6'7", 235 is one, and a couple others are fellow linebackers Zane Zander and Jordan Mack, who lead the aggressive 3-4 scheme that is 12th nationally at stopping the run and 14th overall in total defense. Through four games, they have totaled 20 sacks. That is the top number of the nation. Tim, not a lot of weaknesses here. The Cavaliers are turning the ball over a bit more than average, and their rushing game is subpar. But now in his fourth season, Bronco Mendenhall has done a great job of getting this program on a good, solid foundation since taking over. What is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? Yeah, Bronco Mendenhall's done a, a great job, and he's a defensive coach by trade, and that's where they're at the best. I would point to two things. One, I think if you if you can keep Bryce Perkins in the pocket and make him a pocket passer, he won't be a 65% uh, passer. He creates things by getting outside of the pocket and making easy throws that way. So that's number one. On the other side of the football, I, I think Notre Dame needs to use Virginia's aggression against them. They they Any one of their back eight, they play out of 3-4 defense. Any one of their back eight can blitz at any time. That forces your offensive line to be very sound in their assignment, but you also can create some big plays. So that, that's what I would look at on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, bottle up Bryce Perkins and use the defense's aggression against them. That is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Uh, I'll do I'll do an offense-defense again. I think Tony Jones Jr. is going to be very significant in the pass blocking. But let's go back to segment one. I think Julian O'Quara has a, a, a big day here. I, this is a, a youngish uh, offensive line for Virginia. I think Julian O'Quara takes off this week, gets a couple sacks, and puts – and keeps you know, not you know I mean obviously gets a couple sacks but mainly keeps Perkins in that pocket where it can collapse on him and and uh, they can make some sacks. Okay, Julian Aquara looking to get off of my most disappointed uh, list. Uh, he along with Tony Jones Jr. Those are your Aspen Mortgage key Irish players this week. Aspen Mortgage for all your mortgage needs. Call four eight six loan. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy, now with 19 Indiana locations. Tim, how do the Irish stand health-wise heading into Game 4 and coming out of that highly physical game against Georgia? Actually, better than last week. Uh, They get Michael Young back at the X receiver, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do in his first game back. I wouldn't expect as big of a game as Cole Komet in, uh, in his first game back. And then Jameer Smith, the running back who is that power back that that Notre Dame rarely has, a guy that you know is, is going to be physical every time he, he carries a football. They need that. They're struggling They're struggling uh, with, with the ground game. So those are a couple guys that are back. Cole Komet appears to be fine and ready to go after a, a big game last week. All right. Uh, Jameer Smith, yeah, we'd almost forgotten about him, but he scored two touchdowns in the first game against Louisville. Thanks, Tim. That is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim Priester, Vegas has the Irish favored by 11.5 points over the Cavaliers. What does America's foremost authority say? 
Yeah, I, I think this is a struggle. I don't know that it's going to be a real pretty game. That last week's wasn't either. It was a war out there, a little bit different approach here. Virginia has gotten off the slow starts and has been a comeback team. I, I think Notre Dame's going to, and Ian Book's going to have some trouble with the blitz packages of Virginia, but I think ultimately they hit some big plays. I said that Tony Jones Jr. was a key offensively, but the guys that I'm really looking forward to having big days, Cole Komet again, I think they want to get Tommy Tremble, the other tight end, involved. I think Chase Claypool has an opportunity to do some things deep. So I think Notre Dame hits some big plays. It's close for most of the game, but Notre Dame ends up winning this game 27 to Virginia's 10. 27 to 10, the Irish would cover at that score. And that is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. Tim, physically and mentally, I think it's going to be a real accomplishment for the Irish to bounce back uh, fully from the Georgia game. So I, I just can't see that level of effort occurring again. But I think we have ourselves a really gritty football team, and having Cole Komet back opens up all kinds of possibilities for the offense, uh, and that should allow the Irish to exploit Virginia's aggressiveness. Notre Dame 31, Virginia 24. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.